Rethink Retail, the evolution of retail in today's connected world. Welcome to the Rethink Retail Show, your source for the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. Join host J.C. Herman, Executive Vice President of Global Retailing at Valtech, a global digital agency focused on strategy and transformation in retail as he explores the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. This episode of Rethink Retail sponsored by Valtech, where experiences are engineered. I am Lina Sorote, strategist at Valtech, and today I am in Montreal with Jean-Christophe Herman, EVP Global Retail for Valtech. Hello, Jean-Christophe. Thank you for being here. Hi, Lina. Thanks for having me. If you just want to introduce yourself to our listeners. Right. I've been in the retail industry for 17 years in C-level positions, uh, mostly in Europe, but but finally before joining Valtech four years ago uh, in the U.S., Uh, so, you know, in chief digital officer role, EVP, global e-commerce and digital and so on in retail. Uh, in various product categories, I've been in the grocery uh, category with Carrefour. I've been in electronics in Europe with Fnac uh, and also in the telecom industry with, uh, with Orange. Uh, my role at Valtech is to support our teams uh, in their engagement with uh, major retailers around the world. Um, not only in, in what we do very well, which is uh, customer journey design thinking and, 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 and customer journey implementation with all our technology skills, uh, but also uh, help our customers understand key trends and define their strategies, uh, leveraging um, all the, the innovation ecosystem that, that we have access to as, as Valtech since we are uh, you know, in, in, in 26 countries in the world. Um, so my ro role is really to support support those teams uh, as they engage, but also personally uh, participate to uh, some uh, some key projects, especially when there are C-level people who are seriously driving a transformation project. And uh, you had the chance to attend to one of the largest uh, retail conferences, uh, the National Retail Federation's Big Retail Show, uh, which took place in mid-January in New York City. So you had the chance to be there, to talk with people in the industry. What uh, was a key moment for you at the, uh, the NRF this year? Right, right. Uh, NRF, uh, by the way, is named National Retail Forum, but should probably be called Global Retail Forum because it's originally it's the it's a professional association of, of retailers from the United States, but really has become the Global Retail Forum, and people come from all around the world, including from Asia. This year uh, at NRF, uh, which it was a very intense NRF, by the way, because it was over. Now it's it's two days, so it starts on the Sunday and uh, and really finishes. In, in on Tuesday afternoon, so let's say yeah. two days and a half. So very intense, a lot of technology demos, large uh, tech companies, but also uh, plenty of startups, more and more startups now at NR, especially this year, uh, but also a lot of talks, meeting a lot of people. So you get a feel of where retailers are, where they're searching for, but also uh, you get a feel for what technology will win given their, their needs. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's the place to be uh, to find out uh, what's happening, what's coming out new. Yeah, definitely. If you're a retailer, it, it, you must not miss an RF every year. Okay. And so out of that, out of the, the discussions that you had, uh, what are you going to share with us today? What are your top trends that retailers can ignore? 
Right. This is probably, I, mean, I didn't count, but it's something like my 10th NRF. So it's really good to see what changes from one, uh, one NRF to the other. Uh, and this year was special in the sense that there was much more uh, optimism about the future of retail. In fact, I think that the track to uh, the rebirth of retail is, uh, it can be seen and has been seen during this NRF. I think NRF is a new animal, if I may say, in the retail landscape. Amazon has been an incredibly high performance company. They reached $1 trillion market capitalization last summer and really overperforming any other retailer in the world. Mm-hmm. We, may, we may speak later about Asia, but let's say any other uh, retailer in uh, in, Amer- in the Americas or in Europe. But I, th- I think that the, the news that this is for the second time, one unit, one key unit of Amazon uh, Group, uh, so that's AWS, Amazon Web Services, uh, had a booth. That was the second year. Uh, and I think it's a symbol of something much more profound, which is that Amazon is now becoming a friend, a true partner of retailers, much more than a foe or, or, or a competitor. Okay, so why? What do you mean by that? Like maybe being a partner for retailers instead of a competitor? Um, I think there, there there are two aspects. If you ask, you know, who who is Amazon's um, enemy? Let's say it's probably himself, or you know, Amazon is uh, is its own enemy. It's so powerful uh, on a lot of dimensions that that Amazon is now probably closely watched by the regulator. I mean, it's not yeah. public, but we all feel they they have reached a level of uh, of dominance in, in various ways. Probably, if I had to quote one number. Uh, the, the number, which is almost public now, is that they have 60% of households are on Amazon Prime, so they are a member of the Amazon Prime program. Uh, so that gives you an idea of how, how strong Amazon is. But yes. on, the, on the other side, they only account for 4% or 4.5% of the retail transactions uh, or value of, the, of retail in the U.S. So in that mm-hmm. sense, they are not so dominant. I mean, at Walmart, is 17 to 18%. Uh, no, I think what's new is their business model is taking them to words being a partner of retailers. That's really the news. I was mentioning that, of course, the talks around NRF are very intense. So uh, I had some sources confirming that. And business model Amazon, if you take Amazon uh, Web Services, I mean, most retailers actually use Amazon Web Services. So in that sense, you know... In that sense, okay, by using leveraging the platform in order to touch more people and using it as a transaction, like as a touch point for transactions, how would this uh, partnership can, yeah, take place? I can give you several examples. Uh, I think the, the news is how fast the media bus- business at Amazon is growing. So basically, the media business at Amazon, you can compare it with Google. I mean, it's, it's, it's Google uh, AdWords, but on Amazon search engine. But they're yes. going beyond that now. Now they're proposing to retarget uh, Amazon Prime customers outside of the Amazon space on third-party uh, websites. So uh, with its media business, uh, Amazon is truly now uh, you know, proposing a very powerful targeting tool uh, in terms of quality, uh, but also in terms of quantity to brands and retailers. Okay, so for sure, uh, something new again from this year than Amazon, uh, more as a partner rather than a competitor. But uh, if we're going to look in terms of key success factors for retailers, what are what are your top five that, uh, that you can share with us? Yeah, of course, NRF covers is very exhaustive. I mean, it covers about every technology, every aspect from supply chain, warehouse management, last mile delivery to store management, e-commerce website. So about everything that counts in retail. But if, if I had to pick out the five that I think are 
quite innovative, but becoming some key, um, very heavy factors for the future of retail, I'd name the following. I'd say first, uh, what I call 100% visitor check-in in stores and 0% checkout time. I think, uh, of course, the Amazon Go concept in grocery has shown the way, but I think it's going to go way beyond even in non-food, non-grocery categories. The fact that 100% of visitors check in in a store will happen if retailers bring enough value and significant value for visitors to check in, but also on the reverse for retailers, there are huge benefits of doing that. So I think that's a trend uh, on this one. Amazon is showing the way. The other trend is uh, the emergence now and coming to maturity of progressive progressive web apps. So it's a technology that really enables to have a, a, an app, mobile app experience, except that you don't have to download the app. It's, it's mm-hmm. a website that's designed and that literally behaves as an app but no download. And that's a huge, uh, almost revolution for retailers who have not been able to really build and distribute successful apps. I mean, I'm, I'm, we're doing short, so yes. I would say that's the, 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 the app experience for most retailers has not been a success. This is a wonderful opportunity for them uh, to enable customers to basically uh, use their phone in store with augmented, um, augmented store experience. Uh, the third one, I would say, is converse, conversational AI applied to customer service. I think we've spoke a lot about AI in the past. Uh, conversational AI is now all over, uh, you know, whether it's Google, Amazon, or Apple yeah. pushing it. But the news is that now it's mature for customer service. And that's also a huge impact on high customer satisfaction and reduced cost in call centers, email centers uh, for retailers. And it's a 24-7 type of, of service. Mm-hmm. So I think it has a very strong future based on um, how mature the technology and effective the technology is today. Uh, a weak signal, but I think also is very interesting, is what I call community-based selling. It's really how, beyond having ambassadors of your brand or of retailers, how do you engage with these people so at some point they're going to actually sell products for you. So you could call it Affiliation 4.0 or 3.0. Affiliation has been around for a long time, but now uh, this is the dream of retailers for the future, Uh, having limited fixed costs or almost no fixed costs and having communities basically sell their products. Uh, Last but not least, I really think it's the first year where the dream can come true in terms of uh, analytics, Uh, basically having one single tool to capture customer or visitor behavior on both online channel and store channel. I really think this is the year and it's another key turning point. So that's the five, let's say, um, I would say profound trends that I see that could impact favorably um, classic retailers Retailers uh, in the future. For this year. Okay. So, okay. So if we take the first one, 100% visitor check-in, 0% checkout time and store experience. If you can, just for our listeners, just what do you mean exactly by that? Yeah. Well, listeners may have um, may have heard or seen or in- investigated on Amazon Go. Amazon Go has been a, a concept store open in Seattle uh, three years ago now by Amazon. Uh, it was oh, until last year, until beginning of last year, beginning of 2018, it was open only to employees of Amazon as, as a test store. But they opened it to the public uh, this year, and apparently it went well, so that they decided to open three other units. So two, uh, two in Seattle, two more in Seattle, and one in Chicago. Um, it's very interesting because, uh, of course, 
all visitors that come into the store check in, right? Uh, now, in grocery, you, most visitors, in, in fact, convert when they come to a store. So you could say, well, it's not a revolution because the conversion, yeah. conversion rate in grocery is 90, 95%, if not 99%. It's, it's true revolution when this kind of technology and approach will be applied to non-food categories where conversion rate are 20, 30, 40% yes. maximum. And with this approach, suddenly retailers could engage with 100% of their visitors. And that's a huge stream of value that has not been tackled yet. Yeah, so when you talk about engagement with 100% of visitors, you mean uh, just not only when they are in store, but at different moments to capture data and then be able to touch them at a later moment? Uh, yeah, but the idea is you want them to realize as, as they enter the store that the experience is going to be unique, okay? Okay. Uh, and they must use their phone for those who are agile with their phone, but now most customers are, right? Because they showroom in store anyway. Yeah. So they need to understand that if they connect on Wi-Fi, they're going to be p connected to a progressive web app, so a mobile site which is dedicated to that store, uh, and they're going to see that in terms of experience, you know, it's it would be a shame not to use uh, this service. Okay. Okay, so increasing engagement with them in the store, changing the in-store experience. What type of retailers, what type of industries should be looking at this trend? Is it for everyone? Who might be looking into this uh, to implement uh, this type of technology, for example? Right. Uh, I, I really think it's a trend that, that could apply to any retail category, okay, whether okay. it's sporting goods, whether it's uh, it's DIY or, or whether it's fashion. Of course, now, each brand, each retail brand and each uh, each category has to develop its own set of service so that customers say, well, it's very clear, uh, I need to engage uh, my visit in terms of product information. Um, when I get out of the fitting room, I'll have a trace of all the garments I tried on. Yeah. Uh, I will have uh, immediate checkout, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there are plenty of service that have to be defined. Uh, but that's part, uh, that's the ideation phase. Uh, yeah. We know the technology now can can make it happen. Okay, so you think consumers in the streets are ready for these type of experiences? That they're ready? They might be, are they expecting them this year, you think? I think um, when you see the, the, the statistics about how many people use their phone inside a store, I think now the latest statistics is probably 80% of people or 70% yeah. of people, they use their phone anyway while they shop. So, uh, of course, uh, retailers has the choice of, of leaving that state or saying, well, why don't I use the, the, the screen of the customer to help him in his experience in the store and make a difference? Absolutely. Uh, so, I, I think the customer is ready and has been ready for some time, in fact. Yes, absolutely. It's the notion of maybe tailoring the experience in store around the phone and around the customer. Yeah, I mean, let, let me give you just a very simple example that will speak to, to anybody. You know, uh, in a web app today, you can activate your camera. You don't need to have the app. You just have a mobile website of the store. You activate camera and you read a barcode of a product. And suddenly you have readable information, video tutorials, uh, you know, and it's a huge difference. I mean, most information on products today are non, not readable uh, as they are for, for most, uh, yes. whether it's on the packaging or on the shelf for, for most uh, consumers. This would change, you know, the readability and, and it would be a, true, a truly augmented product and store experience. Yes, yes. And I guess it will also bring brands and retailers in creating uh, new content formats, new experiences, and working that aspect. Yeah, uh, plenty of work for uh, digital agencies such as uh, Valtech, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> 
Okay. You also mentioned uh, mo mobile-centric retail um, with progressive web apps, which I think uh, it's a good segue for what we were talking. So you, you mentioned just that. Uh, yeah, there's one word to be said on this. You know, we're probably coming at the end of a phase where the mobile was treated or, or dealt with as a responsive website, as we say, right? Which is basically saying the site was designed on uh, for a desktop and then, you know, the desktop was kind of massaged in terms of Of, of row and columns so that it could fit on the mobile. Yes. Uh, and that's what we used to call, I mean, most of the industry used to call uh, responsive, responsive. websites. Uh, unfortunately, the, 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 this has led to very long scrolling pages, okay, because it's cheap to, to do that kind of web, mobile website. And, you know, cheap is, is also important. Uh, low cost is very important. Uh, I think as this new technology of progressive web apps comes, It is the moment also the opportunity to redefine the mission of the mobile um, for, for, for retail. Uh, knowing mm -hmm. that, by the way, you know, traffic and conversion in e-commerce now reach 60, 70% uh, in terms of, 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 of traffic and transaction for most retailers. Okay, yeah. we're, we're, mobile is taking over basically traffic, online traffic and, uh, and, and, and e-commerce. So it's time to redefine that, that yeah. mobile website. Uh, and the nice thing uh, about progressive web apps is you can have a dedicated website inside a store because if people go geolocalize themselves, uh, opt in to do so, or they go on the Wi-Fi of the store that's provided by the retailer, they'll have a very local experience of that very specific store, okay? okay. If they're outside of the store, then they'll go you know, on a website, which, which will be different. So it okay, offers multiple so geolocalization and feature-rich type of, of, of uh, mobile experience. Okay, so it's a completely different experience from when you're checked in, let's say, or logged in in, uh, in the store. Right. Okay, so I think some of the okay some of the functionalities that you you've mentioned uh, something so it's a different experience. What type of functionalities could you see uh, a store um, leveraging on on a progressive uh, app, for example? Oh, for sure. Product information, I think, is, is, yes, is okay. crucial. I mean, mm -hmm. people are more and more demanding. If you take grocery, people want to know all the ingredients, and they're barely readable. Uh, there are some apps doing some work and helping you to understand what's going on, if it's gluten-free or lactose-free or whatever, uh, or uh, and it has a risk of pesticides or whatever. Uh, I, I really think people have been looking for long to have more uh, traceability on products and therefore much, much more information on products. Yes. So I think, I think that's... That's the obvious one for me. But after that, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that uh, in fashion, think about uh, people who go to a fitting room and do not buy immediately. I mean, what a loss of value if you don't engage with these people because they've spent 10, 20 minutes, you know, trying on garments of the brand. Yes. And, and they go out of the store, you know, in an unmanaged fashion. The retailer doesn't know them, cannot retarget them, cannot re-engage. What a waste of value. Yes, absolutely. A way to also uh, build a, a relationship and a conversation that will be go beyond uh, the store exactly. visit and then that will take place maybe potentially within the rest of the digital ecosystem of the brand that becomes interesting for retailers. Exactly. Okay. Um, okay, your third uh, trend, omnichannel customer service and a conversational AI. So this is a big one for sure. Uh, having a, what is interesting, something that you mentioned is a 24-7, this notion of dialogue and then bringing customer service to another level. What, uh, what do you see retailers today? Would it be integrating uh, the notion of chatbots and, and applications throughout the different ecosystem as well as in store? Or how, how, how do you see the conversational for retailers? 
Yeah, I, I think uh, again, I think you had a very interesting question earlier on on are the user ready, users ready, uh, are customers ready? I think on conversational AI, our conversa- uh, conversations with bots, they are more than ready. I mean, the search is voice search on Google is taking over almost uh, on text. I don't have the final numbers, but I know it's going very fast. Uh, of course, Alexa, you know, has been a huge education for for uh, consumers like you and me. Uh, therefore, uh, I think retail has to catch up and it's it's another wonderful opportunity because uh, retailers have been under cost on cost pressure I mean be opening huge call centers or email centers is very costly for most retailers who are under price pressure margin pressure profit pressure um, the good news about conversational AI especially in customer service uh, is that it's a, it's a very low cost effort for them uh, and and it's a win-win I mean you can you can suddenly open up as you as you as you mentioned 24/7 service on specific specific use case uh, and and have no variable cost on that, uh, have very low cost. So that's very interesting. But it's not always um, fully automated, by the way. You know, uh, we have a lot of customers in the luxury industry and, and luxury industry is always very anxious about uh, downgrading its brand experience with uh, automation. Uh-huh, the, yes. the good news is with conversational AI, you can facilitate the access to a human. For example, you know, it can help you take an appointment with, with a with you know uh, uh, beauty assistance in a in a in a luxury uh, cosmetic store for tomorrow yes. morning. Uh, so th- this has value also to, uh, I would say, mass market retailers, but also to to high end retailers, uh, especially yeah. luxury retailers. Yeah, and I guess it, it, we would have to look into specific industries. But uh, for people browsing, also, I think it what could be also interesting for conversational or AI or this type of support uh, when you're in a let's say a browsing a catalog or website or whatever is redirecting people to the right type of content uh, based on their interests or based on their questions and then. And so I think that could also be interesting for brands to be able to, again, I've been saying build a relationship, but different way of, um, of sharing content or of sharing brand values or of uh, bringing value to the customer in the end. Right. Uh, you said something very important is that as customers ask questions. And th- this, is, this is probably a revolution that has not been yet fully understood. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that very carefully for Valtech. If you think about data, trying to understand what the customers want, when we say look into the data, it, we really have been looking at uh, history of visits, history of purchase, or clickstream on, on on online channels. But in the end, we're still, you know, with this methodologies, we're trying to predict what the customer is looking for. But we don't we don't really know. We we approach it. We don't really know. Yeah. What would be really disruptive is that as customers engage more and more and are satisfied by conversational AI suddenly they would be ready to answer questions that you know we have not even dreamed of over the last 20 years i mean if 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 the cus- customer is always in a win-win game if he feels when he's asked questions uh, or when he's providing information he gets immediate real time high value information and feedback uh, you know, he he will he will engage seriously. So, uh, I'm starting to wonder when I see how conversation AI is picking up uh, on how really the value of data that's going to come from that type of conversation yes. is going to overtake suddenly mm-hmm. the other traditional type of data. Okay, and how to leverage how it would fit in within the rest of the data that uh, that they may have. Yeah, and you know. 
think about the fact that when you see, uh, historically, when we've seen uh, visitors on a website, we were predicting, well, they seem to be purchasing something. They seem to be looking for something. Yes. But in Conversation AI, you don't, you don't try to predict. You just ask. There, you say, what are you looking for? Yes. And the customer is going to tell you what he's looking for. Okay. Yes. So suddenly, no margin of error there. Suddenly, you have the real-time information. You know exactly what he's looking for. This could be a serious game changer in the yes. right way, both for the customer but also for the retailer. Yes, absolutely. It would bring a customer experience uh, to, to another level for sure. And if we're thinking from a retail perspective who's wondering, okay, if I wanted to get into conversational, it's a broad question. Again, it depends for, for what type of industry you're in. But if someone wanted to, to start this year getting in into conversational, uh, where would they start from? Like, is it just having something on their on your website? Is it a chatbot on your website? Or what yeah, would be- I, I would, um, yeah, thanks for the question. Because with that kind of broad and very promising technologies, it's difficult to know where to yes. start. Uh, at Vartec, I, I, we really recommend to start with customer service because in customer service, the customer already has semantics which are easily easy to understand for the bot because he has bought a product, he knows the store, he's referring to a very precise uh, experience at the retailer store or online. You can predict. And it's very predictable and, and the let's say the, the semantics are, are known, basically. Yes. So there you can provide a lot of value by because you understand exactly... He's asking where is his order. He's asking how to return return his order. He's yes. asking if his order his return has been processed and so on. So our recommendation is to start with customer service because that's huge ROI right there. Uh, and then probably as as the algorithm build up and and the relevance of the of the understanding the intention of the customer plus uh, providing the right answers as this builds up and proves fully satisfactory for the customer, then take that back to pre-sales where there is also a lot of value of course okay. but we think we really think the starting point because technology is really mature is customer service yes okay we have uh, Wixinol community-based selling. What uh, what do you mean by that? Yeah, that, that's that was not all over an RF to be honest. The, this is okay. one of my uh, of my personal thoughts uh, on the fact that um, retail. The dream of retailers is to have no fixed cost. Uh, unfortunately, stores are big fixed costs. So mm-hmm. in this industry, it's, it's tough. If it, if uh, if your business is growing, it's fine. If your business is volatile or decreasing, then having fixed costs is really an issue. I, I have one example which I think is showing the way is the fact that uh, IKEA in 2018 bought TaskRabbit. Uh, as some of you know, TaskRabbit is a community of people who actually make some money by helping their neighbors, you know, um, you know, build furniture, uh, do some DIY, you know, in their home and so on. Uh, okay. IKEA, di- IKEA discovered that a significant part of the TaskRabbit activity, I don't know the number, but some people say 20 or up to 40% in some cities mm-hmm. uh, performed by TaskRabbit members is actually assembling IKEA furniture. Uh, And IKEA, I think, made a very, very uh, smart move by by taking over that community. Of course, they're going to respect that community. They're not going to try to control it, but try to boost it because right now it's it's a, it's a city by city expansion. So they're probably going to help them to expand to a lot of cities in the world now. Uh, it's providing a key service to um, to their to their customers who bought furniture with no fixed costs for uh, for IKEA. But I think mm-hmm. there's even something even more promising, which is that community will not only assemble your furniture, 
but it's going to cross sell to you, you know, the next lamp or the next yeah. uh, the next table that you didn't buy or the next chair the next chair you didn't buy. So um, it's kind of the dream of uh, it can provide the dream of some retail models where the community will not only promote your products. Okay. Um, provide an excellent service so that you know you, you bought a product, but you, you now you use it correctly and you've you've assembled it. But also uh, you're gonna you're gonna find out that you could buy the right accessories next to what you bought. So um, so it's a weak signals, but it can be impressive in the long term. It, it, now there's probably not room for every retailer uh, yes. in that game, but probably the first movers like IKEA are going to harvest some significant value from there. Uh, interestingly, just to mention, IKEA mentioned that they, that move was in particularly due to their competition with Amazon. So very interesting. People are more going back to groups like Quora, Reddit, where they can find people with the uh, same interests, infinities, and then maybe how brands can tap into these groups and forums, maybe, if we were to look at it, not just for the IKEA example, but how this would uh, play out or, you know, what it could mean for other retailers. Right. No, it's a good question. Actually, you know, uh, we have some uh, some retailers, especially in the sport industry, they're totally convinced about that model as well. I mean, they're looking for it seriously. Uh, we have another customer in the, in the in the beauty industry. Same thing. That I would say that that uh, we can name that 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 uh, that customer. It's Mary Kay, in, based in Dallas. Uh, they invented almost community-based selling uh, with uh, with uh, hundreds of thousands of independent beauty consultants promoting yeah. their products and selling their products. So it's not a new thing. It's just that online is facilitating really the. The, the, the fact that uh, sellers and buyers get together even in the physical world uh, yes. and that it can provide also uh, a marketplace for services. And uh, a lot of retailers have not engaged in actually uh, proposing services to, to their customers because it's a low-margin business or even loss-making business. Yeah. Uh, now, community have a way to, to manage this so that it's profitable for everybody. Uh, you know, obviously, TaskRabbit, the student who assembles the IKEA furniture for for an old lady next door, uh, he's happy about the $20 he's making uh, on that furniture, on assembling that furniture, and the lady is really happy as well. Yeah. I'm not sure all, you know, that's the typical customer of IKEA, but it's a good example. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting how how these uh, online communities will play out for, for retailers and how, how it would evolve. People who assemble would get commission on selling products as well. Uh, because once yes. you once you've provided you know if you're a member of the TaskRabbit community once you've provided uh, the service and 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 your your customer is is satisfied then it's so easy to say well you know what I've seen a really nice land that would fit marvelously with with your bed oh. here okay yes it's it's the evolution of that community that exists already and where it can go and where it can grow yes yeah and favorable mm-hmm. moments to do the, to do so okay very interesting and finally. Advanced uh, 360 store and e-commerce analytics. Uh, you've mentioned that it's yeah. Uh, that's the last trend I, I, I listed as the major trends. Yeah. Um, it's also a, a dream come true again of, of retailers. For the last 20 years, uh, retailers have been wanting to understand exactly what was going on on all channels, right? So on e-commerce, tremendous progress were made on on understanding where visitors were coming from, what they were doing on the website, and which ones converted, didn't convert, retarget them, and so on. So levels of sophistication in terms of analytics uh, on the online world, which is, has, has become impressive, 
but nothing really uh, is comparable for the, on the store side. I mean, most retailers yeah. have very limited traceability uh, and tracking of what's going on in their store. I mean, they of course, they visit their own stores, they see the customers, they have customer satisfaction surveys and so on, but nothing compared to really the sophistication of, of online. Well, you know, beacons appeared at, uh, in the 2010 years, early 2010 years, yeah. but were not so successful. But now, really, I think things are, 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 are changing. There are technologies which are cheap, cheap to implement, uh, and that can really record, thanks to the customer's mobile, masses of data of what's going on in the store. Of yeah. course, fully compatible with GDPR. Uh, but really enabling uh, enabling to have, and that's the dream come true, a single view of what's going on. If a visitor goes in a store, then online, then back to the store, we're really tracking that type of, of behavior. Yes, uh, uh, which goes back to what we said earlier, which is uh, being able to just keep the, the conversation going when they're in the store or right. and when they leave the store. But also understanding what's going on uh, to, yes. to, to tune your, your value proposition on, on all channels uh, in, in true omnichannel journeys. So yeah. really, really... Uh, uh, here, the, I think we're getting very ready, very close to being ready, where uh, data uh, provided by mobiles in stores will be analyzed with the same tool that you use for web analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good, you know, it would be a sort of a, a Google Analytics of, of all channels, if yeah. you may say. Okay, so there are some startups who are doing a great job in in, in getting very close to that, um, but also not only in terms of analytics tool, but also in terms of setting up, uh, you know, the, the right sensors and, and Wi-Fi sources yeah. to to really track what's going on in the store, knowing what type of activity to track in the store. And we're looking at potentially so a new set of data that retailers will start gathering that will that will be able to feed uh, whatever they're proposing for customers, uh, products, insights. Right. I mean, understanding who is going where in the store, as we said, you know, eventually proposing to opt in uh, on Wi-Fi, and then it's not anymore an anonymous visitor. It's it's a customer that has logged in, and and is starting to use uh, uh, you know uh, services inside the store for for to have a, a more efficient experience in store. Uh, so we're getting close to that. I'm not saying it's ready, but I, okay. I, re- I really think this year is going to confirm that. I, I'm waiting for the moment. I I'm, I'm, meet a lot of startups, but I can see there's going to be a moment where one startup is going to propose to have a the really, right tool. Well, all the data readable and, and yeah. to, ready to be an- analyzed uh, inside a single analytics tool. Okay, mm-hmm. not not with different tools, yes. whether you look at store uh, behavior or online behavior. Uh, it's not a new question, but I think technology is there now. Okay, well, um, thank you, Jean-Christophe. Thank you for sharing some of your in- insights with us, some of what's coming up uh, this year and, and, and in the coming years. For sure, very interesting uh, to hear about uh, Amazon's uh, new role uh, and new technology that is coming uh, for new data maybe that retailers can, can look forward uh, and gain some insights to, to improve customer experiences. Thank you. You've been listening to Rethink Retail. For all the latest news on commerce and trends, join the discussion, rethink.industries.